Welcome to Joint Effort with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. This podcast covers the pain and injuries that are associated with muscles, ligaments, and joints. Hello, I'm Baron Bremner, and welcome back to another episode of Joint Effort. Today I've got Brock Ryder, who's a hand and upper extremity surgeon here at DMOS with me. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, why don't you give us some background first? Where did you grow up? I think you're from Iowa, correct? Yes, I'm up from the Cedar Valley area. So I grew up in a small town uh, next to near Waterloo, Cedar Falls area called Laporte City. Um, went to high school there and then went to Iowa State for undergrad. Okay. What's Laporte City's, you know, whole deal? It's kind of a Sounds like a French name or something. Were there French settlers? <laughs> the, you know what uh, the background is on that? The, the guy who settled the town was from LaPorte, Indiana, and then he moved to <laughs> Iowa and decided he would just start a town oh, called LaPorte City. So that's a, lot, was a very lackluster story. story. I know. So Iowa State then, um, and then you did medical school and ortho training, orthopedics where? I went to Chicago Medical School for um, medical school, so I was in Chicago for four years mm-hmm. and then did residency and fellowship both in Indianapolis at Indiana University for residency and then the Indiana Hand and Shoulder Center for okay. Hand and Upper Extremity Fellowship. Um, when did you know that you were going to specialize in the upper extremity? Uh, I think it really solidified during my third year. Uh, that's when I did my rotation and, and as residents there we rotate with the guys at the Indiana Hand and Shoulder Center and just seeing the huge diversity of procedures that they perform and, and the type of surgeries they do really got me interested in it. So uh, do you have family here in town? Do you have children or a wife? or? A... Yeah, I'm married. I have okay. uh, two boys. One the oldest is four, youngest two, and then oh, I have wow. a third boy due in about five weeks. So oh, we're going to be very busy this yeah. summer. Yeah. Um, and you guys are, are you living in Ankeny or where do you? Yeah, we live in Ankeny. Okay. Um, the DMOS location is kind of on the north side of town and we're only about a mile away from the, the clinic there. So it's. And that's your central location where you do most of your surgeries yeah. and clinic? Yep, I'm in clinic in Ankeny most of the time. I come to West Des Moines two days a month. Um, otherwise, I'm in Ankeny and then I'm at the surgery center there in Ankeny most of the time. That's so. great. That's a great collection of surgeons up there. You have a lot of good partners up there. Yeah, yeah, it's great. A lot of young guys that uh, do it. Huge diversity of different surgeries. You, guys, you guys can handle basically everything up there now. Right. So yep. Yep. Um, I heard that you do a lot of biking. Do you do any competitive bicycling? or Never competitive. Um, when I was in, in college, I did a, a ride for charity across the country from San Francisco to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Um, that took a little over two months to wow. complete that. So that was a great experience. We met with people with disabilities all across the way and, and fundraising checks and that kind of stuff. That was while you were in college? That was in college, yeah. So I I try to still cycle some uh, Mm -hmm. recreationally, Mm -hmm. um, but it's usually with uh, two kids being towed behind the bike now. Oh, yeah. That's a good workout. uh, We do have uh, in town, you should hook up with the DMOS cycling team, too. You know, it's one of the, I think it is, at least last time I checked, it was the biggest cycling uh, team in Iowa. And it's got a broad variety of... um, skill levels and okay. they'll get you into racing a little bit. I used to do all that stuff, but oh, yeah. um, uh, I think you should look up the DMOS cycling team. Yeah, that'd be fun to check out. Um, in addition to doing hand surgery, what other types of, and, and also just including hands, what do you like to do? What are your favorite surgeries to do? 
Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a hand and upper extremity surgeon, which a lot of people you know are a little confused by that title, what upper extremity means. Um, I do everything from, from shoulder surgery down to fingertips, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that includes some of the most common things we do would be carpal tunnel releases, um, cubital tunnel releases, so different nerve compression issues in the upper extremity. Mm-hmm. Um, Which ten- is what we're going to talk about today. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, tendinitis issues. Um, some people get tendinitis around their wrist or in their fingers, mm-hmm. and that often gets better with surgery. Um, do quite a bit of elbow surgery and then also shoulder surgery like rotator cuff repairs and shoulder replacements. Okay. Um, so we did segue into what we're going to talk about today, which is uh, nerve entrapment or, you know, pain or numbness or disability from nerve issues in the upper extremity. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about the nerves in the upper extremity? Like, why do you think people have problems with numbness in the hand or pain from these issues? Is it a biologic thing or is there mechanical entrapment of these issues? Yeah, there are different reasons for it. I think, um, you know, with carpal tunnel and cubital tunnel syndrome, people often think of that as an overuse type of injury or uh, condition. Um, We do see it more common in people with underlying conditions like diabetes or thyroid disorders, things Mm -hmm. like that can predispose people to it. but yeah, they it can also often cause starts out as numbness and tingling, usually at nighttime in the fingers, mm-hmm. and then can progress to daytime symptoms as well. So uh, there, are, you know, there are three nerves that we're going to mainly talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, that go down there: the ulnar nerve, the median nerve, and the radial nerve. Um, and some of this for our listeners or viewers might get a little bit in the weeds as far as the details. But um, you know, that's upper extremity. A lot of details in upper extremity. So. Right. Um, Let's start with the most common nerve entrapment that we see, the median nerve entrapment at the wrist. Can you tell us about what that is and what the symptoms are like? Yeah, so that is uh, the median nerve entrapment at the wrist is what's commonly called carpal tunnel syndrome. Um, I believe it's the most common reason patients get referred to see a hand surgeon by their primary care doctor. And uh, it classically causes numbness and tingling in the thumb, index, and middle finger, and, and sometimes half of the ring finger. Um, primarily starts out as nighttime symptoms, but can progress to daytime symptoms as well. Patients may often find themselves waking from sleep and having to shake their hand mm-hmm. out or hang it over the side of the bed mm-hmm. to try to get feeling back so they can get a restful night's sleep. Mm-hmm. So the early symptoms um, of numbness, etc. if you neglect it, kind of what are some of the later symptoms with that or later effects of that constant compression of that nerve? Yeah, often if you catch it early enough, you can control the symptoms with a wrist brace or something that helps keep the wrist straight at night. Mm-hmm. If you let it go untreated, um, you can start to develop constant numbness in the fingers um, and sometimes the muscles inside the hand that control primarily thumb movement can start to wither away. Mm-hmm. And, and often if you let it go untreated too long, if that muscle wastes away, even if you have surgery down the line, that, that may be permanent. Mm-hmm. I'll put you on the spot here because I know that some of our partners do it a certain way, which is endoscopic, mm-hmm. meaning uh, a couple smaller incisions or one smaller incision. Um, some people do an open incision, just a regular incision on the palm. Is there any benefit to doing smaller incision or arthroscopic or any pluses and minuses with that? 
Um, I do a what's called a limited open. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a small incision. It's about the same in size incision as an endoscopic. It's just mm -hmm. a different location. It's out in the palm rather than at the wrist crease. Um, studies have shown long term, everybody does about the same. The, mm -hmm. the one advantage of endoscopic is that uh, patients tend to have a little less pain for about the first two weeks after surgery. But after that, everybody does pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so the median nerve also can get compressed, what we call proximally or higher than just the transverse carpal ligament, which mm -hmm. is right in the palm. Um, do you see much with um, the anterior interosseous nerve or pronator syndrome, much with that sort of problem? And if you do, can you tell us more about those? I do see pronator syndrome occasionally. It's much less common than carpal tunnel syndrome. Uh, the weakness in the muscles in the hand, it can also cause some weakness of some of the muscles in the forearm that contribute to grip. Got it. Um, and the pronator is a muscle that yeah. twists the forearm. So is it like the nerve gets strapped along that? Yeah, it's often you know, repetitive motion. People might find that their hand starts to go numb when they're doing a lot of twisting motions or rotating with the forearm. Okay. Some people are just born with a, a, a anatomic variant near the elbow where they have an extra ligament that the nerve can get compressed under. Sometimes it gets compressed by the biceps as it crosses the elbow okay. as well. And then how about um, the... AIN or anterior interosseous nerve, which is a branch of the median nerve. Do you see much of that with a pinch, pinching weakness? Or I haven't seen that uh, recently. That's mm -hmm. pretty rare. That that would cause some of the weakness that you might see with um, carpal tunnel or pronator syndrome without necessarily the numbness and tingling. Would uh, in addition to, of course, you guys do an excellent physical exam and take a good history. Does an EMG help differentiate between those? And it can, yeah. Yeah, it can pick up some of those subtle differences. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, sometimes if the if the if the if people have classic carpal tunnel symptoms and you know the physical exam all matches up, sometimes we we don't get an EMG nerve yeah. study. Yeah. But often if there's any confusion or question of whether it may be pronator syndrome, then often the uh, the EMG or nerve study can help figure that out. And, and it can also um, document the severity of it and kind of give us an idea idea of the potential for recovery. Mm -hmm. And you could compare a couple different points in time too right. and see if there's any recovery. I mean, not that we don't have to do that uh, very often. Right. Um, carpal tunnel um, is pretty quick recovery. Typically, if there isn't damage, it's pretty nice overnight. You know, people just feel better, don't they? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Usually that night of surgery, people are able to sleep through the night for the first yeah. time in a long time. Yeah. They don't wake up with their hand aching. They've had constant numbness in the fingers for a while. Sometimes that can take a little longer to resolve, yeah. but the pain is usually better pretty quickly. I'm always amazed when I look in there at how compressed when I do that surgery, how compressed the nerve is. It's just like flattened and angry oh, yeah. and yep. you can tell it's not been happy with its position. Yeah. Sometimes you see what's like an hourglass deformity where mm -hmm. it's kind of bulbous on each end of where it's been compressed and just flattened. In yeah. The middle. yeah. Yeah. Those are satisfying surgeries to do. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, the second most common one that you and I see would be uh, cubital tunnel syndrome. Can you tell us about that and what the symptoms are like? Yeah. So cubital tunnel syndrome. So with uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, it's usually the thumb index and middle finger and, and half of the ring finger. And then with cubital tunnel syndrome, that innervates the small finger and the other half of the ring finger. So often those patients will get numbness and tingling in the small and ring fingers. Again, it happens a lot at nighttime. Um, that nerve travels behind the elbow. So when the elbow is bent into deep flexion, it's kind of like a rope going around a pulley. The yeah. nerve gets placed under tension and, and doesn't get enough blood and you wake up with numbness and tingling in those fingers. So that's the ulnar nerve, right? That's the ulnar nerve. Yeah. Um, so what do you do as far as like, uh, I know at nighttime we tell people to wear like a 
a splint in front of their elbow right or like a volleyball knee pad or something turned around yeah just to keep you don't want to be in that hyperflexed position sleeping like we all do yeah what do you do during the daytime for the for trying to prevent those symptoms during the day um often we use the same elbow pad that they wear at night you know you wear it in the front of the elbow to try to prevent the elbow from bending too deeply at night and then during the daytime you can wear it on the back side of the elbow just to give the elbow you know the nerve some cushioning if you're resting it on hard surfaces yeah. often that can cause symptoms i've had some patients <clears throat> who are resting on either the car all the time you know the window yeah. or the console to get that so yeah that's pretty common. i actually had a uh, cubital tunnel myself i i woke up one morning in med school and my small finger was numb and it was that way for about eight months i ended up having had surgery wow i'm all better now so <laughs> success story well that might be why you went into upper extremity <laughs> that's right yep yep um so you know the treatment in addition to the non-operative treatment if that fails you could do a, a decompression of the ulnar nerve and get everything that could be adhesive around it and compressing it or a transposition. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us about those two different things and what you think is better in certain cases? Yeah. Um, so the simpler surgery is what's called an in situ cubital tunnel release, where you decompress the nerve and leave it where it belongs behind the elbow, where it was uh, originally placed. Um, that's my preferred surgery for most patients. Um, what I do is I decompress the nerve entirely and then take the elbow through a full range of motion. If the nerve looks like it's happy where it belongs behind the elbow. Mm -hmm. I tend to leave it there. If it looks like it's starting to subluxate or if it's trying to flip out of the groove behind the elbow, then I'll I'll move it to the front Mm -hmm. of the elbow so people don't have symptomatic um, subluxation. And the, um, you said decompress, can you kind of describe what that's like for the ulnar nerve? You know, what you're, what you do with your scissors and yeah, the, so the, the ulnar nerve, it courses behind the elbow on the kind of inside. If you ever hit your funny bone, that's hitting mm-hmm. your ulnar nerve directly. Um, it's most often compressed as it goes under one of the forearm muscles called the flexor carpi ulnaris. And it's usually compressed by the, the fascia kind of at the edge of the muscle there. So we release the fascia, both the both layers of it to mm-hmm. decompress the nerve. And then there's a ligament um, behind the elbow that we also release and then there's a few sites proximally that can also compress it. So okay. you just press the full course of the nerve, decompress the full course. What about, um, you know, when I'm biking, sometimes my little finger will go to sleep. Yeah. What's the, what do you think that's from? That could be cubital tunnel or it can be what's called ulnar tunnel syndrome, which is um, if you put too much pressure on the ulnar nerve as it goes into the hand, it's kind of neighboring the carpal tunnel um, more towards the pinky side of the hand. If you put pressure there for too long, that can cause numbness and tingling mm-hmm. in the same area. Um, it usually just affects the the pinky and the, the back of the hand would be spared in that okay. case. So that's is that how you can differentiate? Or? Yeah, you can okay. kind of differentiate because the, the nerve there's a nerve that comes off the ulnar nerve. Um, in the forearm that goes to the back of the hand for sensation. So. Gotcha. So it comes off higher before it would be compressed. So Correct. that's why it would be spared if it's being compressed in the palm. Yep. yep. And I think I remember reading that um, maybe with certain fractures in the hand and stuff, you can get that yeah. um, ulnar tunnel syndrome. Too, yeah. Right? Some, you know, often, you know, the, the classic uh, scenario would be a baseball player or a golfer that, you know, a golfer that hits the ground and they, they catch their hand just wrong. You can, like me. Yeah. Yeah. You can break a piece of a bone in the hand called the hammy. You can break this, uh, it's called the hook of a hammy and that can irritate the ulnar okay. nerve. Okay. Now I don't really see, um, the next etiology or maybe I see it and I don't recognize it, which could happen, you know, mm-hmm. because we, I do see a lot of people with uh, tennis elbow or lateral epicondylitis. Right. That's a real chronic problem with a lot of my um, you know, people my age. Um, do you see a lot of 
posterior interosseous nerve or radial tunnel issues? I do see quite a bit of it. And a lot of times it's it's in patients with tennis elbow that they are, you know, coexist in quite a few patients where they'll have both lateral elbow pain and then also this kind of deep aching pain in the in the forearm that kind of radiates down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's irritation of the posterior interosseous nerve as it goes through the radial tunnel. And uh, fortunately, both of those problems often get better with therapy and okay. don't usually need any surgery, but occasionally they do. Do you see much weakness with the PIN injury? No, it's, uh, well, with that one specifically, it's usually just painful. Okay. And uh, if you did have to do a, di- a diagnostic injection or anything like that, do you how do you figure out where to put an injection around the PIN or, or around the radial nerve or how do you do that? Um, you just go through the brachioradialis if you're going to inject for PIN syndrome, and um, that can be both diagnostic and therapeutic. If you inject and in the, the numbing medicine, the local anesthetic makes their pain go away. You've kind of made the diagnosis, and if you have some cortisone mixed in there, that can often... Give gotcha. long-lasting relief. But so if you people if you see people that might have a combination of tennis elbow and this nerve entrapment, you would definitely do a lot of physical therapy. And yeah, I usually refer them to the hand therapist, mm-hmm. and, and that's one of the benefits here at Demos. We have our own hand therapist that yeah. we work very closely with. They often will walk over to my clinic to get my thoughts on a patient, and we work very closely with them. Um, but yes, with, with tennis elbow, they're very successful, and same with radial tunnel syndrome. My therapist. You know, I've sent her quite a few patients with radial tunnel syndrome. She says she can make most of them better after two to three treatments. So she's pretty good with it. Um, You know, there's also another. So those are kind of the nerve entrapments that we see pretty commonly. It's a tough diagnosis sometimes. You know, there are some other things that can cause symptoms like this. Um, One thing would be neuropathy. Like, can you tell us a little bit about neuropathy and how you see those patients? Yeah, some patients will present with... um, if they don't have classic symptoms that follow a, an anatomic nerve distribution, like if it's not just in the thumb index or middle finger, or if it's not just in the small finger, if it's more like the fingertips, often, uh, you know, for different reasons, people can get yeah. neuropathy. The most common would be diabetic neuropathy mm-hmm. from longstanding diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, usually that begins in the fingertips and then starts to move proximally mm-hmm. and as it gets worse and often involves both hands and feet as well. Just now they're really surprised when I tell them that they could have pain. They say, my neck isn't that painful. It's a little stiff maybe, but how does right. that work? Yeah, we see lots of patients that come in. They get referred for you know their primary care doctor, thinks they have carpal tunnel syndrome. Sometimes the symptoms don't match up or they're what they're describing. Some, you know, If they feel like their pain's coming all the way down their arm, often they can have a cervical radiculopathy where a, a nerve is pinched in the neck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a good thorough examination, checking their neck range of motion, putting pressure on their neck and seeing if that reproduces their symptoms can help tease that out as well. Um, also, you could have both things too. You can have a neck problem and a peripheral right. nerve problem, which can make it even harder to treat. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We see a lot, we see quite a few patients like that. Um, they'll come in with a nerve study that shows they have carpal tunnel syndrome, but again, they have pain that radiates all the way down the arm. And um, usually in that case, we, we, try to treat the carpal tunnel syndrome first and see how much relief they mm-hmm. get from that since that's a much simpler surgery than having a neck surgery. Yeah. Um, how long does a carpal tunnel surgery take? Uh, about seven minutes. Usually. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, also there, you know, one thing that I still am not super comfortable with figuring out in clinic is, um, thoracic outlet syndrome. You know, it's just really hard to figure that out. Can you tell us a little bit about what we mean by that and what you look for? Yeah, that can be, a, a, it's a, 
you know, can be a confusing clinical picture sometimes. Patients will often get symptoms when their arm's in a specific position. They'll feel just kind of like a dead feeling in their arm. It can be caused by a variety of issues. Some people have a, an extra rib that can compress the nerves as they um, transition from the neck into the arm mm-hmm. and can cause weakness or numbness or tingling or pain. And treatment for that would be? Uh, I, I haven't treated somebody for thoracic outlet syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, Usually it's some sort of like a cardiothoracic surgeon or something like that. Sometimes they have, if it is. If but we start with physical therapy. Yeah, right? physical yeah. therapy to start. But if it, yeah, if it persists, it gets to the yeah. point where they need surgery. Sometimes you're not going to chop out an accessory rib or anything right. like that yeah, in your practice, not, no. not in your scope of practice. No. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, we've gone through a lot of different things. It's, uh, it's amazing. And I love the anatomy, you know, when you were in medical school and residency, it was so much fun to trace out the anatomy of this and figure right. out all these different places and get into the minutia of which little bands of tissue can cause, because it's pretty reproducible on, you know, cadavers and patients, which little area can compress the nerves. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty satisfying, I imagine, for you to go in and find these things and fix them. Yeah. Um, we've gone through all the different nerves that I can think of and talked about some of the outliers so that you know people can know that we're not just, we don't focus just in on the peripheral nerves, but we have to look at the central areas too. Right. Um, well, we're, we're really happy to have you here in Des Moines. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, where, where is your wife from? She is from uh, pretty close to where I am, Jessup, Iowa. So okay. that's about 20 miles from the port city. Do you so. guys still have family in, in town that you... We do. We both grew up on farms. So our family, they're, they're gonna, they've are gonna been there for generations and they, they will be. So Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah. So you get a chance to get back and see them pretty often? Yeah. Yeah. That was one of our big draws to coming back to Iowa, especially with young kids, getting closer to family to, to spend more time with them so the kids can be around the grandparents more. Gotcha. Um, her brother and, and sister-in-law and their kids live in the area here too. So okay, great. together with them sometimes. Well, awesome. You're a great addition to our group here. And if people uh, want to see you, they can call the main number and, and go up to Ankeny and see you in clinic. Yeah. Thanks for coming That's in. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Joint Effort, a podcast from Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. If you have questions about this podcast and wish to schedule an appointment with a surgeon, call 515-224-1414 or visit dmos.com.